Cyberpunk netrunners often submerge themselves in a tub of ice cubes to keep their implants from overheating, and I gotta say, I think I'd rather just have my brain melt. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. It is time, my tombs, for us to revisit the world of Cyberpunk 2077 after the new 2.0 update and the Phantom Liberty expansion. There's a lot to talk about, so let's chrome up, jack in, and get down to biz. I'm Kirk Hamilton. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. Hello. 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 It's us again. We made Once it. Once again. Back Triple at the Click table. Triple Click is back. You didn't think we were going to make it back for another week, but we're we ready did. to make a preem podcast. We're going to preem. We're going to chrome up. And, uh, did you know there's a character on the television show Spider Games who's named Principal Quincy Primo? That's just a fun fact mm. for you. He's a, he's a high school principal. You see, I did not know that. Anyway, that's, that's a, a good name. name. I was using cyberpunk <laughs> lingo since that's what we're talking about. I just about. think it's funny for somebody to have the name Primo. <laughs> That is where Preem comes from, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, We are a (laughs) listener-supported podcast where we make jokes and talk about video games. We love making this show every week for all of you, and we love doing it without any ads, without any corpo influence, none of those corpo rats getting in (laughs) here. We're street kids. Telling us what to do things. No way. We're nomads. Yeah, we're a, we're no a renegade here. chromatic rock band. We're here to stand up against the corporations. Uh, but really, we don't have any corporate influence on our show because we are a totally creator-owned show, and we are part of a network, Maximum Fun, that is owned by its employees. It's a co-op. In fact, they are celebrating Co-Optober, which is uh, a month-long celebration of Maximum Fun's recent transition to being a worker-owned collective. It's super cool. We're very happy for them. And uh, they're a great network to be a part of. If you want to support that network and you want to support TripleClick as well, you can become a member at MaximumFun.org slash join. Be a part of something wholesome and good in this no-good world. And uh, we really appreciate all of you who are members. And, of course, if you do become a member, you get to listen to monthly bonus episodes from TripleClick and from all the other Maximum Fun shows as well. Though not every show does monthly shows. We do them every single month. There's a huge backlog that you can listen to. Our most recent one was talking about artificial intelligence and the movies Ex Machina and Her. Before that, we talked about Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. We talked about lots of games, lots of shows, just life stuff, whatever. There's tons of bonus stuff you can listen to. Pretty preem preem stuff. Mm-hmm. It's some preem content, really. Yeah. Uh, MaximumFun.org slash join is where you want to go to sign up for that. And yeah, so we are going to be uh, we're going to be talking about cyberpunk today. Uh, we're, we have returned to cyberpunk 2077 almost three years after we first recorded a triple play on the game. All right, I wrote us a little a little uh, preamble to get oh, us yes. into the mood. Prepared to talk about statement. This game. Prepared statement. Here we go. Cyberpunk 2077 is a first-person role-playing game made by CD Projekt Red, the Polish studio. Most famous for their Witcher games, based on the 1980s tabletop game world created by Mike Pondsmith, the video game adaptation was initially released in December of 2020, and it was so unfinished and riddled with bugs that it became an epoch-defining scandal. (laughs) These days, pulling a cyberpunk has become shorthand for a disastrous video game launch, especially of a big, ambitious game. Since then, it has been difficult to separate the mess of Cyberpunk's launch from the content of the game itself. For three years, it seemed easier to talk around Cyberpunk 2077 than to actually talk about it, partly because it remained frustratingly in a state of not quite being, even as the game became more stable with each update, and its cultural reputation was given a boost by 2022's pretty good Edge Runners anime, which aired on Netflix. Now, in the fall of 2023, 
almost three years after it came out. Cyberpunk 2077 has been reborn and expanded with the simultaneous release of the 2.0 update, which builds off of several preceding stability updates and overhauls huge parts of the game like uh, character upgrades, leveling, and equipment, as well as the Phantom Liberty expansion, with that, which adds a large new area to the game and leads players into a new cyber spy thriller narrative starring Idris Elba, which fits Very in with the game's existing narrative in some interesting ways, both thematically and in terms of narrative mechanics, since it takes place simultaneous to the original game's story. So we've all played different amounts of the game and the expansion at this point. We were all playing on advanced PC copies provided by CD Projekt Red. For my part, I played through a bunch of the game last year and earlier this year, and I think the 1.6 update... But then I stopped when they were like, oh, actually, it's going to get better again. So I restarted with 2.0. I've played through the entire thing this time, as well as all of Phantom Liberty. I've played almost all of the possible endings. So I've really finally wow. played Cyberpunk, which feels pretty good. I don't understand how you have the time for these things. Yeah, sick. made time for Cyberpunk every ending. Meanwhile, Jason and I are like struggling over here. I played through the whole thing, all of Phantom Liberty, and yep. just every every ending while yeah, I was Yeah, just to it. see. Just to see what happens. Well, I really, I, yeah, I got really drawn into it. Also, I was just pretty sick this last week and haven't been able to do a lot of the things that I should have been doing. Getting sick mm. is a boo for gaming time yeah including recording podcasts so it was it was easier to just kind of get lost in night city so that's what i played and i talked some last week about how the game has definitely risen in my estimation now that i have a better sense of it as a complete object of course that fuller understanding means i have plenty of criticisms of it as well but mostly i'm just glad to have finally played the actual game so that i can talk about it instead of talking around it so let's do that let's talk about cyberpunk 2077 i know the two of you have been playing uh, either one of you can go first, but what, what are you thinking of the game? Yeah, can I just chime in real quick with one one quick thing before we actually get into the meat of the game? Oh, you want to talk around it a little bit mm. more? And, okay, yeah, just talk one, around just because something just happened that I thought was funny. In the last three mm-hmm. years, Cyberpunk has become such shorthand for like a busted release that it is actually used as an example within game studios to like petition yeah. For delays. And I know this because Mm -hmm. I literally, a week ago, I was on the phone with someone who told me that they pointed to Cyberpunk as a way to get their own game delayed and (laughs) were successful in that endeavor. So, uh, yes, it it has had a very real impact on the entire games industry. but yeah, I'll, I'll give my thoughts in a sec. Maddie, why don't you go first with your with your Sure. I, I think I've played a little more than you, so I guess that makes sense. We can go in descending mm-hmm. order. I haven't beaten the game and gotten every ending yet. It's less than <laughs> Why not? That. Why don't you have the time I for don't that? know <laughs> why not. I don't know. It might be because I was continuing to work a job, not being To sick. be fair, you can finish this game pretty quickly. And it's then true. once you get to the final mission, you can just like get most of the endings except the secret ending. Right. Just, you can save scum there. Yeah, yeah you just go and back decide and decide what you want to do. So, yeah. It's not so, actually that long if you focus on the story, which is largely what I did this Yeah, it's like for. 30 hours. Is that about right? Maybe. Or, I mean, it depends on if you do side stuff. And I do think doing side stuff significantly it improves the overall experience. So maybe yeah. I don't actually think that playing just mainlining the narrative would even be a good way to play. So I take that back. Yeah, I, so I've been doing kind of a weird thing with this because when we played it for our triple play back in 2020, I played more than y'all. I got uh, about 10 hours in and change. I, I was pretty far in the story further than I think I knew at the time. And uh, I remembered it really well this time. So I, I created a totally new character this time and played the first couple hours of the main story just thinking I'd play all the way through to get to Phantom Liberty, but I remembered it so well that I was like, I've essentially done this before. I think I'm good to just go ahead and skip to the DLC. 
So mm. then I did that. So now I have three competing saves. I have my 2020 save. Mm. I have my new character that I built. And then I have a third character because I was not permitted to port either one of those two characters into the DLC. So I have three different Vs, three different hair colors. Mm. Quiz me on that <laughs> later if you want. They all look gorgeous. Uh, so then I played about like six to eight hours of Phantom Liberty. I, If people have played it and they want to know where I am, I'm at the the party and uh, it's Henson. Is that the name of, of the person whose mansion yes, I Colonel, was snuck into? Colonel yeah. Kurt Henson. <laughs> yeah. Henson. Casino themed yeah. party. Uh, so yeah, that's where I am. And uh, I really like a lot of the changes mechanically to the combat. I'm sure we're going to get more into that, but we said that a bit last week or whenever we did our triple click picks and talked about some of the new changes. Yeah, that was like- really, really easy to notice those changes. But as I've been replaying uh, the original version of the game, because I actually then went back <laughs> and started replaying the beginning of the game again. This is really weird. I don't know why I've done this because I just wanted to re- refresh my memory on some of the things that had happened. I, I remember some of the things I didn't like as much about this game. And um, one of those things is how oppressive Night City feels to hang out in. And I just, the vibe of it, I, this is subjective. This is just me, maybe. But, like, this is a world that really hates you. Like, it is a tough hang to be in I Night totally City. I totally agree with that. Like, you are constantly shit upon, and everyone is having a hard time. And... That's that's okay. Like it's you know, there's still power fantasy element here. You have these cool cybernetics. I, I got a million different kinds of shotguns. They feel great. I'm amazing in every way. But just story wise, I, I I'm interested to hear what you think, Kirk, as somebody who's beaten the game. But um, as somebody who's kind of like halfway through in so many ways. I feel like this game is really borrowing from a lot of film noir tropes as opposed to what I would consider like classic, you know, snow crash, neuromance or cyberpunk tropes in the sense that it's just really dark, a lot of like seedy underbelly of the world. You're kind of this lone detective-ish character who's just trying to track down different people who often end up being in terrible circumstances. The more you find out about things, the more you're like, wow, it's even worse than I thought. The corporations are even more evil than I thought. The brain dances go to even more messed up places than I ever could have fathomed. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it isn't just that it's a science fiction story. It's that it's very much a gritty noir story. And mm-hmm. so you kind of have to be on board for that level of just an oppressive feeling. And I mean, oppressive is the adjective, not just the sociopolitical intention. Yeah, I have a quick thought on that. Yeah, go for um, it. Having played a bunch of the game and sort of let myself become very immersed in it. And I would mm-hmm. describe this as a very immersive game. But you are then immersed in this world that, like you say, is this a very bleak place yeah. um, full Worst of really awful ever. things <laughs> that happen to people and including you. Um, you, There are no great outcomes. None of the endings. There's no happy ending. There's no there is an ending that I got. The first ending that I happened to get that I think of is a pretty fitting like canon ending yeah. that I found to be really cool and I, I really exciting. I really, really liked that ending. And then all the other endings I've explored, including the new ending that's added with Phantom Liberty, they've all just been like different, darker turns that feel a little bit alternate to me. But there's mm-hmm. no happy ending because really for no one in Night City, there's no happy endings. It's not a happy place. It's this awful corporate city that is like really oppressive in a lot of ways. And yes, it's Night City, man. It's not Day City. Yeah, it's night. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Day City if you want it to be nice. Yeah, there's nowhere nice in this world. So anyways, um, I 
also find the world really bleak and depressing. And yet I really f- was pretty taken with it after a while. Just with the, I like allowed myself to kind of be immersed in it. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be a very compelling experience, at least for me, even for all of the sort of pastiche and the awfulness around me. Just the feeling of driving around is really nice. I guess some of that is just it looks so amazing now on PC, but like it's just yeah. like a beautiful kind of oppressive place to be. And I found myself actually enjoying that part of it. But you do have to be down for that. It's not a fun world to be in or a nice place where good things happen. Though occasionally nice things do happen and there are these profound moments of beauty, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to hear what Jason thinks of it yeah. before I go on. <laughs> Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't gotten to Phantom Liberty yet, not for lack of trying, but uh, I, uh, unlike you, Maddie, I didn't skip right to the DLC. I started a new playthrough and then just kept playing through. I didn't do the back and forth thing, um, which I found actually a good way to play it because the mm-hmm. um, systems feel so different, especially the skill system and the driving system, that it feels like a, a, you're playing something that's pretty 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 significantly uh, uh, different than the game that we played three years ago. I actually went and re-listened to our triple play and it was interesting yeah, me hearing too. some some of our thoughts then. Um, and so now I'm like, I'm, I'm much further than I was when I first played it. I, I did all the Judy and Evelyn stuff. I'm in the, I'm like finishing up the Voodoo Boy stuff and I'm really enjoying it um, largely because of the new skill system that makes it a lot of fun to like zip around. I've like built up my reflexes and have this yeah. dash yeah. that is super fun to play The air dash, which is a new feature that uh-huh, they added, uh-huh, that is like yep. a transformative game feature. It makes the game so fun, and yeah, it's exactly. a huge improvement. And so I rigged myself with a double jump, and I Okay, got the, the double jump is amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was in the base game, but the air dash is it's new so in between though. the two of them, yeah. But yes, yeah. so now you feel like you're playing Hollow Knight when you have the double jump and the air dash. Yeah. Um, and then, get the mantis and then like... And I, uh, I, I'm buffing up my shotguns. It's funny. Um, back then, when I first played it, I was like, "Man, the stealth kind of sucks in this game." And I had the same exact kind of thought process as I was playing it today. Stealth still sucks. Um, the best way to play this game is to run and gun. I don't totally agree. I play a stealthy build. It's pretty okay. Fun. Interesting. Well, I want to hear more about that in a sec because I have found it so unenjoyable to like try to sneak around because you're just doing the same sort of thing. There's no like interesting way to like like distract enemies or do any, like the only way to distract enemies is to hack something and be like distract enemies and then hope that that, that gets them. But anyway, um, I'm enjoying it. I'm really into the story. I keep thinking about how similar it is to Baldur's Gate three and that you have something horrible in your head that you're trying to get rid of, That's true, um, do. which is funny. Cause they both, uh, I guess you could say they both entered early access in 2020, uh, and they both <laughs> came out, came out this year. Yeah, an interesting um, thought experience. So kind of similar, <laughs> similar trajectories there. Um, I'm going to keep playing and get to Phantom Liberty because I'm very curious to see what that is like. Um, and yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think, I think overall, it still feels to me sort of like it did back then. Like this is a game that is trying to mash together GTA and Deus Ex and isn't really picking a lane. So it's kind of like a watered down version of them both. I think that's still the case, but. In 2023, both kind of elements of the game feel much better than they did before. So instead of maybe like a C-level version of Deus Ex and GTA Smash together, now it's maybe a B-plus version of both of those. The GTA parts, I mean, 
you're not getting the same level of just kind of like sandbox exploration, but you can run around and like get into gunfights with cops and escape them. And it's got the exact same system as GTA now, exact same wanted system where you have to get out of the radius of the cone of view of the cops uh, to make yeah. your stars down. Yeah. Um, just, the, just like the wild west. You just have to get exactly far just like, everybody just like the you. wild west. Yep. 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 <laughs> And then the Deus Ex, if I mean the shooting feels better um, in that if you get your new abilities and stuff, it, you can, you can like, the shooting, I mean, essentially the core mechanics are the same as they were back then, but, like, because of the new abilities, you can, but like, create a build that makes it feel a little bit sleeker. Maybe you get your, your I don't know, your recovery d- time down or whatever it is, and um, you, can, you can have more fun with that stuff and experiment more with character uh, customization, which I think adds a good... A good level of of, of strategy and, and fun to the whole experience. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm very much into it. Um, but I should say also, I was actually pretty into the game in 2020. I just stopped playing because of the bugs and was like, I'm just gonna wait yeah. till the bugs are fixed. So it's no surprise that I'm into it now. A funny thing I said was, I'll play this in six months when they fix all the yeah. bugs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> episode, I said that a couple of times. Yeah. I was so yeah. optimistic. Six months. Aww. Six months. Yeah, no. Um, well, to be little, fair, they did fix they did fix yeah. bugs within those. Six yeah, months. it took them a little. Well, even that took longer than six yeah, months. Yeah, well, there but were yeah, some for, fundamental for things. It's so funny, man. When I so I did like a, a postmortem on Cyberpunk afterwards, after the launch, where I talked to a bunch of developers about their experiences there, and one of them told me. So this is E3 2019. The release date is announced. They're like, we're coming out April 2020, and this person who was talking to me said they thought it was a joke. They were like, I thought it was going to come out in 2022. Like, that's literally what they thought was going to happen. They were like, April 2020? Are you friggin' mm-hmm. kidding me? So, yeah. of course, I mean, now it feels like the game is complete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, a couple of thoughts on that, I guess. One thing, uh, just to the upgrade tree, the way they've changed the upgrade tree in this game, someone in our Discord actually made this observation that I totally agree with, that the way that they've changed it can best be summed up by the feeling you get when you level up now, which is... Hell yeah, I can't wait to go to my upgrade tree and pick a new perk because you mm-hmm. now have this perk tree and every single one of them is cool. Like even if it's just one of them is just you can exit your car in a really Yeah, you cool can slide way. out really <laughs> like, cool. which yeah, doesn't do cool. anything. I've been playing gives, around with it. It's cool. Yeah. So it's like there's each thing that you unlock is actually pretty useful. There are a couple that are sort of like, you know, you'll do more headshot damage, but it used to be they were all like that. And now it's right. like tons of cool stuff. So and you can kind of see it more clearly. You can see what you're leveling up. Well, for. hold on, correction. It used to be that the coolest ones were like on the edges and you had to like take a lot to get into them. Not all of them were like that. But yes, yeah. It was your your point is true, but Yes, it was that, but I think it was also a UI UX issue, which the UI is generally overhauled in a just in subtle ways that I think are really interesting. I would watch the hell out of a YouTube video if someone wanted to do a comparison. Even like your mobile phone, which shows you your text messages. I read all of my text messages. So this time through, there's all this storytelling going on on V's phone where you're texting with people and having little conversations. One of the best things you can do, um, I mentioned this last week, but the relationships are really strong in this game. There are four possible romantic relationships. The one with Judy in particular, which can only be done with female V because Judy is a lesbian canonically and like isn't just like most video game characters where she's kind of, what's it called? Into like player, player sexual player or something? Sexual, yeah. yeah. The Baldur's Gate. 
three approach. So, uh-huh. and, which is cool because it informs her character. You learn a lot about her backstory, which just like she is an actual person with like a sexual preference, and that comes mm-hmm. up in who she is. She's and then very also well just, written. yeah, she's a great character. And so I was in a relationship with her, and it's really fun. She's texting all the time, even as I'm playing Phantom Liberty. I get these really cute drunk texts from her where she's like, <laughs> "Hey, like butts, 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 <laughs> smiley face or something." And then the next day, she'll text me like, "Oh my god, like I'm so embarrassed that I texted you," and I can kind of reply. Anyways, the UI makes it so that you want to engage with that stuff more, be it the phone, which previously playing this game, I never looked at the phone. I couldn't deal with it. It was like weird and overwhelming. It was so much more irritating. It would pop up at the weirdest times, too. Like it felt like the timing of the sound of the phone and when it would appear were worse. And they've definitely finessed a lot of that. Right, they have. And it's just so the way they, so all of those things are better in the menus. And then I think the menus for the upgrades are a lot better because mm-hmm. you now look at this tree for reflexes and there are all these cool little drawings on the new, neat things you're building toward. And you're like, oh, cool. If I get nine points in reflexes, I'm going to get that air dash. Yeah. Like, I can't wait for that. So in four levels, I'm going to get it. And that that's a core part of the loop of this kind of game. Like, that's part of what I find so mm-hmm. immersive and engrossing. It's just that feeling of like, all right, cool. I'll just go do a gig and that'll get me some XP and that'll get let me level up and soon I'm going to get a cool new ability and it lets you get into that zone a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to mention some narrative stuff about this game, having played through the whole story and also having played through all of Phantom Liberty that I think, well, I know we didn't get into it all on our triple play and that I don't want to leave totally unaddressed because for me, the narrative of this game becomes much, much more interesting in its back half and then even more interesting when you take it as a whole and take it as a part of this world that they've built and kind of understand it in that context. And then Phantom Liberty becomes really interesting, I think, in the context of the main story. Like, they're really interesting kind of counterparts to one another. They're both ultimately the stories of a guy and a woman. She's a net runner who winds up getting embroiled in some sort of corporate uh, situation where a corporation takes control over her and she loses herself to it. They both involve... The black wall, which is the super interesting concept I just talked about on our bonus episode about AI. Mm -hmm. But basically, there was this one guy. He, like, unleashed a bunch of AIs and destroyed the net, which kind of destroyed civilization. Like, it destroyed a whole chunk of civilization. And then they wound up building this firewall, Netwatch. This company built this firewall that blocked out all of these crazy, wild, rogue AIs that this dude had built. Bart Moss is his name. And you'll hear about him in the game. This stuff is all in the game, but you could just play it not knowing any of this. But anyways, that becomes really important later because there's this character, Alt Cunningham, that I don't even know if the two of you have even met, but she's yes, like... I literally, this... I just met yeah. her in the video. Okay, so it's wild. When she's introduced, it's like, wait, who is this? It comes kind of abruptly. But yeah. having finished the whole story, Alt is like a really important character, maybe the most important character other than Johnny. And her relationship with Johnny is like this crucial thing mm-hmm. for the main storyline. So then in Phantom Liberty, Songbird, so me, is a netrunner. And um, what's his name? Uh, Reed, Idris Elba's yeah, character. Yeah, Idris Elba's is, character. Reed, he's yeah. basically a CIA agent. So he's the Johnny in that narrative. And so me, Songbird, is the alt in that narrative. And instead of the Arasaka Corp, who are like the corporation that has taken on a lot of power in Night City, and as a result are the ones that Johnny was always raging against, mm-hmm. they're kind of like definitely dominant in Night City. Militech, who are the super corp that like run America, basically. Like Rosalind Myers is like a former military 
Teletech executive. Like, there's this whole wild history with, like, the Unification War and the NUSA and the Free States and Night City's unique role as this independent city that's, like, backed by Arasaka because Arasaka is always backing the Free States against Militech. So you've got basically a Polish game studio is making a game where the United States is recast as a sort of American version of post-Soviet Russia, where they're waging a territorial war to try to reclaim the states that used to be a part of America. It's super interesting stuff. Like, it is great world building. And it's all right there in the game. But it's possible to kind of just play through the game and let that kind of slide by you and just be like, okay, uh, you get to the end and it's like, I don't really know what's going on. I kind of felt that way the first time. So anyways, I just think that all of that is actually really interesting. And the last point that I will make is that I think that Phantom Liberty is a stronger story overall because I think that what they're doing, to me at least, as maybe just as an American, but also I just there's there's more there i think with the nusa the fact that america collapsed in the 90s and like rose again as this corporate nation that then there was basically a war of aggression a territorial war of aggression by rosalind myers who's like the president that you rescue at the beginning who you can express ambivalence toward the whole time or you can totally just get on board and johnny Mm -hmm. like hates her and knowing the full story of that well, he's like a anarchist punk guy. He is, but he was also in the military and he mm-hmm. signed up and like was super burned by it. And part of Phantom Liberty's story is him telling you about that. Yep. And it's like a really interesting part of his story at the very beginning. He Yeah, he tells you about his experiences as a vet and how he soured on the whole thing. And right. you get and to make fun of him or not, depending on whether you have an antagonistic relationship with Johnny. So I think that that story is just very interesting. The story of like what's happening in America and Night City's unique role in it, this kind of Casablanca, like Mm -hmm. neutral state that especially Dogtown, which is itself a kind of neutral state within a neutral state. It's like a lawless war zone. It's a little apocalypse now. Which was invented for Phantom Liberty. Yeah. And it's a place that like was basically a beachhead for the NUSA during the unification war when they invaded Night City. And then they just ended the war. And this guy, Colonel Hansen, just got stuck there. So he became a warlord and just runs this part of the city. Anyways, blah, 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 blah. Anyone who played the game will think this is interesting. Anyone who hasn't, maybe (laughs) won't. I mean, it is. I want to throw out there that this is some pretty cool stuff. And uh, it makes me want to play more cyberpunk games. Like, I've, I've really come to like this world similar to how I came to like the world of The Witcher and to really appreciate the way the game expressed this very complex, uh, this very complex world and all of this lore in a really interesting way. Yeah, I think Phantom Liberty is a lot stronger than the rest of the game narratively. (laughs) And I say that as someone who didn't get all the original endings, but has been switching back and forth. And they've even done some softening of Johnny and some of the Phantom Liberty DLC in terms of how he talks to you. Like, even if you choose to have an antagonistic relationship with Mm -hmm. him, it's more playful and less insulting. Like, Johnny, I I feel certain I talked about this in our original triple play, but part of what's about Johnny Silverhand as your character in your head, at least for me, so he's very sexist, like just openly very sexist and is constantly making sexist comments. Like that's just yeah. part of his worldview. And you just have to put up with that as female V. I mean, presumably you do as male V as well. None of us have played that because, you know, yeah. I, why would we? <laughs> that character mm-hmm. doesn't exist. But it's, yeah, it's like a big v, part of the v. antagonism that the two of you share. And I think it's actually a pretty interesting story since I know at least one of the endings or at least one of the implied endings is Johnny might get stuck in your body 
And mm -hmm. he's very angry at the idea of being stuck in this female body. And so there is this sort of like antagonistic yet queer storyline that sort of thrums throughout this game that I think a lot of people were both unnerved and intrigued by. Like, it really depends which queer person you ask <laughs> about that. Yeah. But regardless, to just Finish complete the thought, thought yeah. um, in Phantom Liberty, I think the writing is overall stronger. The themes are stronger. It feels like a a expansion written by people who've had a lot more time to sit with the idea of Johnny as a character. And also Idris Elba is a fascinating character. He's like cool to be around. Like he isn't as annoying to be around. As Johnny's Johnny pretty be abrasive. At times. Like even there's, at his best, yeah. there's something to be said. Like if you're going to write a video game where you have to spend a heck of a lot of time with an NPC, like to have somebody who's constantly abrasive it's very difficult. Like, I'll, I'm not going to lie. It's one of the reasons why I probably won't go back and complete the game, because much as I love Keanu Reeves' acting performance, I'm just like, I don't want to be insulted this time. <laughs> I just don't care for it, you know? I think even the second half of the game feels like a game written by people who had spent more time with the concept, because yep. the second half of the core game as well, really, Johnny really transforms into a much more interesting and sympathetic character. Some of that is based on your relationship with him, but you go and do stuff related to his past life. You meet up with past members of his band. There's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff with Rogue, who's a fantastic character, yeah. and his relationship with Rogue. There's a lot with Alt and him blaming himself for what happened to Alt and seeking her forgiveness. You really can kind of... The story is about you merging with Johnny and the two of you, according to what's happening, this relic chip in your head, you're becoming more and more like one another, which is something that's brought up more and more times. And this was something I will cop to. I said I was disappointed by this in our original triple play that I didn't get the sense that the game was playing with some of these concepts of self, mm -hmm. digital selfhood. What does it mean to be yourself in an age where this kind of technology exists? And they are fully exploring it, especially in the second half, in really interesting ways. And by the end of the game, even the base game, I actually really had come to like Johnny a lot. Yeah. Even when he would turn up on random gigs and be a dick, I'd be like, ah, there he is again. My boy, here to talk some shit. Well, he's so much more likable in Phantom Liberty that I feel like I can also understand true. how he's going to get there. Because like in a way, I've almost skipped ahead to a yeah. version of Johnny who's bearable. It's true. So it's mm -hmm. like I've gotten to see a sneak peek at what the game could be. But I think also because this game, I mean, this is part of like an interesting thing just from a media criticism perspective where we all have to think to ourselves like, is this game itself sexist or racist or is it depicting a sexist world that your character is existing right. in? And I would argue that mm -hmm. largely cyberpunk is aiming for the latter. It doesn't always nail it, but it's trying to depict a world that's very aggressively against you and you are just existing in it. And like the female characters, like the evidence for that, I think is that the female characters are extremely well-written, but they are in a world that they're constantly exploited. And there, there's a lot of naked women who are dead that you see. Like there's right. a lot and of And they sometimes oppression. suffer horribly. I mean, like what happens to Evelyn yeah, is like, like Evelyn's story really yeah. intense. But also, I would say Evelyn is one of the best written characters in the game. So it's like there is that yeah. push and pull of like, is this game sexist or is it depicting sexist situations? I don't know where I land on that, but I still want to give credit to the fact that these characters are really well written. And I think that's important in and of itself. But I also think that that's part of why this game just isn't ever going to resonate with everyone because it's like oh, yeah. trying to touch the third rail. And in that sense, I'm like, well, I'm glad it's trying because I like it when games try to depict sex and sex work and like these dangerous situations. And 
have this really multi-ethnic city and like depicting a future that yeah the future freaking sucks in cyberpunk but like not all futures have to be hopeful some of them can be terrible and oppressive and like ridden with gangs and and the street life where nobody seems like they have a fair shake and even the people who work for the corporations seem like they're having a terrible time like i there's no good outcomes it doesn't feel like a game that's just being tawdry for the sake of being tawdry i think it suffers from (laughs) sure but i think it suffers well i think it suffers from the problem a lot of games suffer from which is that you're ultimately playing a video game where like 20 minutes after whatever you see you're gonna be blasting dudes heads off yes exactly it's kind of inherently tawdry and so, I mean, I think, uh, like, I don't think you're going to do much better than this when it comes to capturing some of that stuff in a game. That said, I mean, you mentioned sexism and racism. The racism has really struck me on this uh, particular playthrough, maybe because last time I didn't get to the Voodoo Boys. The Voodoo Boys yeah. are, are kind of like, I don't know, I don't really know as as a uh, white dude, I don't really know what to make of them or how to feel about them, but it certainly feels like a kind of, it certainly makes me feel uncomfortable that this like entirely black gang is portrayed as these kind of like um like broken english speaking like total dick assholes who are just like kind of like like really just horrible horrible people and like by the end of what when you find out what they've done to what they did to Evelyn you just want to like betray them to the corporation which I did yeah. uh, at the when I met that that netrunner dude oh the netwatch um, guy yeah yeah mm-hmm. and I do know um, and I'm not sure what the exact backstory is but Mike Pondsmith the creator of Cyberpunk is a black man so mm-hmm. I, that is also something that I have to consider here so yeah I'm just not sure how to feel about it all I know is that it made me a little uncomfortable and I don't know if that particular particular thing is deliberate because it doesn't feel like it's making a commentary it just feels like it's a like they want this cool voodoo themed gang as opposed to some of the like sexual exploitation stuff where it's like it's trying to say something whether it's clunky or not one Mm -hmm. other thing i'll say is that having done just done all of that stuff it feels to me like this is really the turning point or the kind of the um uh, uh, I don't know, the midpoint of Keanu's story, of Johnny Silverhand's story, is really when you find out about his relationship with um, with uh, Alt. Uh, Alt Cunningham, and you see that whole flashback stuff, and it feels like from there, it feels like, oh, okay, I understand this guy a little bit yes. better. He's a little bit deeper than just, like, punk rocker who wanted to blow up a building, and now I can, I can already see that he's going to start having a more right. complicated relationship with the right. players. So, I do think that, like, um, Maddie, to your point, I think if you're not in Enjoying the Keanu stuff, getting past that might help with that, but I don't mm-hmm. know, might not. Yeah, I remember struggling with the Voodoo Boys the first time around too, and I mean, I <laughs> being married to Dina, who has so many Jamaican relatives, some of whom have ended up getting co-opted into street gang culture. Like these are countries in in the diaspora of there's they're Haitian characters, the Voodoo Boys, but like the Caribbean diaspora, like these are countries that have been so just utterly shat upon by imperialism that it's like there are some really fascinating stories you could tell and I would have loved to see a version of the Voodoo Boys that like took that perspective into account and I don't personally feel like that's in the game like maybe maybe it's part of the process of the game and we just aren't aware of it but like as somebody who at least is proximate to families who care about this stuff a lot I wasn't really impressed by it um but I'm also like I get that this game wants to depict a really diverse and vibrant future where all of these different types of people have emigrated to this city and all of them are criminals. Like, it's not like, oh, the white people are heroes in this game, but the people of color are terrible rapists. 
everybody's pretty fucking bad in the <laughs> and game. And also, like, it's, it's not like the voodoo buys are the only black no, people. No, they're which... not. They're not. And I, I do think, though, for what it's worth, like, introducing Idris Elba's character does, it, it shifts things a little bit. Like, there are things there that I'm like, okay, yes, Keanu Reeves is, is he's one of the most famous mixed race actors of our generation. He's the lead of the game. He gets to be more complex over time. Idris Elba, extremely famous black actor like obviously the game's giving opportunities to extremely talented people it's just that i also feel like there are parts of the game that are very clunkily written and more phoned in for lack of a better way to put it like there's just color there like literally where they're like this part looks cool i don't know let's have them be haitian and they're called the voodoo boys and that's about as much as anyone thought about it you know what i mean and then it's like but we're gonna spend a lot of time thinking about who Judy is and her lesbian identity. And like, that's just kind of too bad. Like I get that games spend a lot of time on one thing and not on another, but then the result is that when people talk about the game, they're like, I don't know if this is good, you the, know? To be clear, the Voodoo Boys come from Mike Pondsmith's world. Like, they were yeah. not created by But CD in Mike Pondsmith's world, originally the Voodoo Boys were actually white guys who were appropriating voodoo culture. I Googled oh, a lot of this at the time oh, because okay. I was really curious about how Mike Pondsmith came up with the idea. It's not until Cyberpunk's world, the video game, that they actually become Haitian characters with some voodoo practitioners as part of the gang. That doesn't play a huge role in the game but it it's it's all in the wikis <laughs> so i think mike spawn mike pondsmith originally conceived it as a commentary on appropriative white people <laughs> but i don't okay. i don't know I there's mean, a line in the game where the guy you're talking to is like well they call us that we don't call ourselves yeah yeah and it's it, there's there's a little bit there but it's it's a little shallow and i think it's shallow is a perfect word yeah it's similar with arasaka and the sort of depiction of japanese yes. culture for sure which of course has a the tiger claws has a long history with <laughs> with cyberpunk media and I, it's another reason that I think that Phantom Liberty is on stronger footing, just because the depiction of the American military complex reemerging as a military super corp that takes yeah. over the country is really interesting. And it's also great. the general depiction of Night City as basically, you know how there are these tech guys now who are buying up land in Northern California because they want to build this super city? That's yeah. what Night City was in the 90s. It was this super rich dude, Richard Knight, I think was his name, something Knight, and he builds this city on the east, on the west coast of California and he's like, I want to build like a city that will be impervious to the coming fall because I see that this is basically a, a world where the U.S. didn't exactly lose the Cold War, but the USSR is still around. The U.S. Yeah. collapsed in the 90s because of an economic collapse because of income inequality because mm -hmm. the rich people were so rich and the poor people were so poor that the whole country and like the social fabric of America collapsed and as a result like these different states to declare independence I definitely recommend going and just like reading the cyberpunk wiki for the history of the United States in this I mean, world there's some cool stuff in there <laughs> so you're in this city that's this like corporate hell world that exists that has become what it is because of the backing of different corporations anyways they can do a whole lot with that, and I think they're on their firmest footing where the corporate identity is separated from any cultural identity yeah. just because it becomes more directly about money and power and, you know, the things that we think about a lot in America and a little less of this kind of ham-fisted or at least overly simplistic uh, view of, like, cultural differences and, and the ways that those might uh, express themselves in mm -hmm. 80 years. Or, yeah. like, an imagined gang and what they would be like. Mm. Yeah. 
I wonder also, I mean, I don't know a lot about Mike Pondsmith personally, but I, I feel like as Americans, we can look at a game about America that's making commentary on it. And even the original cyberpunk, like it's written by an American guy. We understand what what the commentary is. The, the developers are European, predominantly white development team. They're trying to write a game about America. That's going to be difficult because not all of them are from here and they aren't all familiar with everything. So no matter what, when you start to introduce additional cultures on top of that, it's like, okay, you're getting even further and further away from what you might be familiar with. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's going to be even more difficult to include. So it makes sense that Phantom Liberty, its storyline is just on stronger ground. It's easier for us to understand like a satire of American imperialism and militarism. Like that's that's something that unfortunately I think everyone all across the planet can understand and satirize yeah, pretty easily. I think that when the game begins to really wrestle with just a slightly different angle of inquiry, which is the question of how does the world change and what does it mean to return to the world all these yeah. years after you died, especially for someone like Johnny Silverhand, who oh, yeah, I love basically that. raided Arasaka twice, the first time to try to rescue all, and then the second time backed by Militech, their corporate like you know enemies, on this military attack, which is where he died and also accidentally nuked a whole building. And how like... Just like how he, he might be reacting to the passage of time, to the way that the world might change, and then how you might react to being overwritten with that person and having yeah. to reckon with having that person in your head. Like, that stuff is all super interesting. Like, stuff about identity and how it changes, which doesn't actually, it's framed against the backdrop of this corporate hellscape, and there's a lot of that stuff going on as well. But that, to me, is the heart of the game. Those were the most affecting and interesting parts of it. And the really parts like where the, stuff. like, immersive first-person presentation, which I think is just really really strong throughout is that it's most effective is when it's just you're dealing with your own identity because you're so inside of V's head and they do so many smart tricks to really put you there and one thing I want to point out one thing about this game that I think is really cool I have it in my notes and I just want to mention it one thing this game does that's very immersive that I wish more video games did is play with time lapse montage and the passage of time yep. so many video games don't do this they just have everything happen write one after the next thing. Like you just do something and then it's over and then someone calls you and then you just go do the next thing. And it starts to just feel fake over time because you're like, why is everything just happening one thing right after the next thing? Like, why are mm -hmm. we going in order? Or like there's this? a lot of coincidences and you're like, this guy just happens to be here. Okay. Right. And he's the next quest. <laughs> yeah. So in Cyberpunk, there are just a lot of sequences where you wait and then it just fades and then time passes and it says sometime later, or you'll just have to wait a while for someone to call you to tell us something. And then like time has to actually pass. Anyways, I think that's like part of the the immersive uh, this game's immersive strength as mm -hmm. as that kind of it's an experience. Cinematic. It is one. Well, it's a it's, it's an old cinematic trick. Yeah, right? it's a film trick. The montage at the beginning where you are becoming best friends with Jackie is yeah. pretty yeah. impressive. Mm -hmm. It is, and it's really effective. And I think it makes that part of the game, that part of the story, much more impactful. Because like, it makes you feel a little more like you're inside of this character. I just mm -hmm. wish more games did it. Because, yeah, like you said, Maddie, it's a really old cinematic trick. I just really, I don't see it as much as I would have thought. And it's very effective in this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think ultimately, like, if people have the stomach for it, I recommend Cyberpunk is violent and as gory and as angry <laughs> of a world mm -hmm. as it takes place in. So I feel like it needs a lot of trigger warnings, but... <laughs> Also, yeah, I'm just yeah. like, I don't know. It's doing a lot of stuff I don't see often, even though I have problems with so much of it. I'm glad I kept trying and I'm I'm glad it exists and I'm glad that it's like playable now and it actually works and it doesn't crash. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I want it to be a triple click pick, though. <laughs> I'm not sure it's there. For I me. think one of the. I think one of the reasons it's so important for it to be such an impressive, like bleak game to play, Maddie, and one of the reasons that I feel like it's actually important for it to feel unpleasant Terrible. to play yeah. in some ways is that otherwise you get like chuds like Elon Musk who are like, oh, this is so cool. I want to live in this world. Exactly. Like, this is my yeah. my <laughs> fantasy. True. Yeah. And like, I'm gonna build Neuralink so we can all be like cyberpunk. And I think if you don't have enough uh, kind of bleakness, heavy-handed bleakness <laughs> attached, then you you confuse it for a power fantasy. That's uh, true. That's a good becomes point. Becomes romanticized. It's pretty hard to feel romantic about having anything stuck in your head after playing Cyberpunk 2077. No, it does sure. not romanticize. <laughs> does sure. not romanticize the experience of living in this world. But what if it was Keanu? He's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Even Keanu, it's like the most unpleasant Keanu. I know he's ever the been. worst guy. Chris Keanu. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. a real dirtbag, but uh, but I, I've come to kind of love him in my way. All right, well that's enough for now. I think um, it is a, a very interesting game, and I'm glad we finally got to really talk about it. Instead of talking around it, let's take a break and then we'll be back for one more thing. The human mind can be tricky. Your mental health can be complex. Your emotional life can be complicated. So it helps to talk about it. I'm John Moe. Join me each week on my show, Depression Mode with John Moe. It's in-depth conversations about mental health with writers, musicians, comedians, doctors, and experts. Folks like Noah Khan, Sashir Zameda, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. We talk about depression, anxiety, trauma, imposter syndrome, and perfectionism. We have the kind of conversations that a lot of folks are hesitant to have themselves. Listen, and you won't feel as alone, and you'll have some laughs, too. Depression Mode for Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Daniel Barwella, Technology and Data Specialist. I'm here with... Kira Gowan, Ad Operations Specialist, and we are both worker owners here at Maximum Fun. October is National Co-op Month, so we're celebrating our brand new co-op and others with an event called... Co-Optober! We've got special events all month long, starting with a live Q&A on YouTube, where MaxFun worker owners will answer your questions on Friday, October 6th, and much more to come. We also want to tell you about some incredible limited edition merch exclusively available to MaxFun members until the end of October. If you're already a member of MaxFun, you've shown that you care about our shows and what we do. If you also want to help launch us into this new cooperative era and show off your support, go ahead and get yourself a hat, pin, or shirt. We worked with some of our favorite artists to make them really special. For details on merch, all of our upcoming events, like Meetup Day and more, visit MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. Happy Co-Optober! And we're back for one more thing. I'm going to go first. My one more thing is a video game called Lies of P. Not surprised that, uh, you're playing this. A, a game I, bet, I have heard uh, is a Bloodborne clone. It is. <laughs> I've got to say, this game sounds pretty cool, but what a terrible name. Okay, go on. <laughs> but it's about a sexy Pinocchio. It's about uh, yeah. atrocious, atrocious title. <laughs> Horrible so um, yeah, this is uh, this is a game about Pinocchio, but it's really Bloodborne. It is, uh, mm-hmm. um, and yes, you are really technically named P, though you're playing as Pinocchio. Jason, you'll be happy to know that Pinocchio upgrades what is known as his P organ <laughs> in order to Ooh. become more powerful. Uh, <laughs> so you're oh regularly getting upgrades for your P <laughs> organ in this game. 
Um, so yeah, this is pretty a pretty shameless Bloodborne clone. It's made by NeoWiz Studios, a Korean game developer. And uh, you play as Pinocchio. He looks just like the star of Bloodborne. Um, you're fighting through, through the city of Krat, which is actually a really cool video game sitting, setting. And the story is like surprisingly great. So the story of this game is that Geppetto, who made Pinocchio, of course... Uh, he's no, he's just Geppetto. Um, though you do pick up, you pick up a cricket who goes by kind of Gemini. It's spelled like Gemini, and it's Jiminy Cricket, but it's a mechanical cricket who talks to you and, and tells you what's going on. Okay, that's cute. So this whole game narratively works much better than I thought that it would have. Um, it's it's been really really cool so far. I've played I don't know four or five hours. I'm sort of in the first act. Um, and yeah, you play as Pinocchio in this world. Geppetto created these super puppets that have uh, become integral to life everywhere. Like everyone uses the puppets basically as you know labor around their houses, and then the puppets all malfunction one day and just start straight up murdering everybody, uh, like Sick. just violently bludgeoning <laughs> everyone to death. And it's this horrible like we uprising. We all know will happen with right. puppets in reality. <laughs> and and you side with the puppets and kill all the humans. Is well, that, and, the, and the idea is the central idea is that Pinocchio. Is both a puppet and a real boy. He's a little right. bit of both. So of he kind course. of lives in both worlds, which gives him access to some places that the humans can't reach. Um, but then he has to lie. There's a whole lying mechanic where, like, mm-hmm. you're not allowed into the base, like the hub zone, unless you tell it you're human, but that's a lie. And then as you lie, I think there's like a painting of Pinocchio and his nose gets longer Ooh, and longer. Dorian Though your Ray. character's nose does not get any longer. <laughs> of course. He's, it stays the same. The same little perfect button nose. What about, what about his pee organ? Does that get longer? His P organ gets more potent <laughs> as you play the game. Um, I don't know if it gets longer, really. But yeah, I mean, okay. it's, it's very much like Bloodborne, though with some ideas from Sekiro, some ideas from Dark Souls 3. It has a parry system that's similar to Sekiro. It's pretty tough. Um, I've seen people talking about how hard it gets toward the end, but also uh, seen people raving about it. Our friends at the Besties love this game in particular. Our buddy Russ Frustick has been uh, telling me how much he loves it. He actually shared something that comes at the very end, a sort of tease that plays at the end of the credits that I will say nothing about. Mm, does the blue fairy show up? <laughs> no, I'm not going to say, crossed. I'm not going to respond to that and not say what it is, but it is super cool. Maddie, I'll tell you off the air. It's, yeah, no spoilers for the original story of Pinocchio. No, no, no. Like I, this would feel, this would be a delightful surprise okay. if you found it. It, uh, But it is very cool and has made me want to play through to the end. And I've really enjoyed what I've played of it. It is just this mode of game, the Souls mode where you're kind of exploring and it's hard and you're memorizing the level and you're getting better and you're stuck and you're frustrated and then you beat the boss and you get a new thing. Like, it's just that that feeling. It gives you that and it's also really lovely looking. And like I said, the world and the story are surprisingly cool. So I'm liking it. And apparently it runs well on Steam Deck. So I have it installed on Steam Deck as well. So that's Lies of P. I'm sure a lot of listeners already know about it. Just wanted to say that I'm playing it and really enjoying it. Uh, Maddie, what's your one more thing? Uh, mine is also a video game. It's a game called Cocoon, which I'm playing for PC. Um, and it is delightful. It is a puzzle game that I have compared to Portal in terms of how great I feel when I solve a puzzle Mm -hmm. and in terms of the variability of the environmental puzzles in terms of difficulty and design. The more you play, the more you're like, oh, I can do this with the puzzle solving abilities, Mm -hmm. which is just the freaking best. There's no dialogue. There's no names for anything in the world. You play as a little bug and you're just 
an isometric view wandering around this bug-like squishy world everything feels super tactile like you poke things and you pick up a little sphere and the sphere gives you different powers and you move it to and fro it's just extremely pleasant it's really great if you liked portal at all and if you like puzzle games at all you absolutely need to play cocoon um and if you need any more convincing uh it's it's made by well it's made by a, a few people but one of them worked on limbo and inside uh so if you liked those games then you might you might like this one as well uh it's just freaking great i i played all of it despite that i was nice. supposed to be playing cyberpunk because i couldn't stop playing it and it's like six hours it's it's delightful it's great nice short yeah, yeah, I played a little bit of it, and it's really, really freaking cool. We love a short puzzle game that just makes you feel good in your brain, you know? And Nothing it has like those it. little moments at the beginning that I'm glad you're not describing specifically, but there are these yes. moments in the beginning of that game that are like, what? Like, and that is <laughs> that is the magic of yeah. the game. Yeah, and the music is incredible. Uh, one of my coworkers interviewed uh, them about it, and apparently the person who designed the music made their own synthesizer so can't mm. be replicated one of those freaks like, a real synth one of those sicko. real sickos who likes to design <laughs> their own synthesizer to max the synthesized sounds that you get and it's really worth nice. it there's some real soundscapes in this one that i feel like make mm. me smarter when i listen to them which you need for a cool <laughs> game but yeah nice. great game really good yeah it's very cool i'm looking forward to playing more uh jason what is your one more thing my God! I mean, the number of games that I know, I'm what trying the hell? to juggle right now—it's <laughs> wild. This, this time of year, it's God, tough. I got yeah, man. There's so many. I just got a, a review code for City Skylines. I have Spider Man. I have Cocoon. All this shit. War Groove Two. Anyway, I've been playing a game called Assassin's Creed Mirage, and hey. I'm not going to get too much into this game because I haven't actually played that much just yet. I'm only a couple hours in. Um, there's kind of like in true Assassin's Creed style, there's like a whole intro sequence and then the title comes up. And so I'm mm. um, like, uh, uh, I don't know, an hour past the title. So a few hours <laughs> in. So I played a chunk. Man, it's bumming me out. I'm really, I'm bouncing off of it pretty hard um, for a couple of reasons. So for some context here, this is a, a, a DLC to the last game, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, that was then blown out and turned into a full game that's now called Mirage. And it stars a guy named Basim, um, who played a key role in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And the kind of the hook of this game, Mirage, is that it's a return to old school Assassin's Creed after the last three games, Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla, were all kind of big Witcher-style open-world RPGs. Um, the latter two had branching dialogue. There's, like, RPG item systems and quests and all this massive bloated stuff. This is more of a, hey, we're going to go back to the Assassin's Creed Unity and Syndicate days where it's mostly about assassinating mm -hmm. people and not, like, using a bunch of special abilities in combat. Um, and uh, it feels very janky to me. The combat is just not mm. very fun. The climbing is really not very fun. They've gone back to the old school climbing where you have to find handholds instead of just being able to scale anything. And it's a really a downgrade. I mean, in theory, it's cool that you should have to be like making decisions, but in, in practice, it's like, oh God, like I just jumped and lost like a solid five minutes of progress because <laughs> I fell off the wrong thing while trying to scale this mountain. And it's, and like, there's so many times while 
playing in just a few hours that like I've had a button press go awry and like jumped in a way that I didn't mean to jump and oh, stuff I mean, like that. Classic, oh. classic Assassin's Creed. They yeah, that's to the old school, school right? <laughs> and it's kind of like the the funny thing about like I know so. I think all three of us are really into the new style of Assassin's Creed, and then I liked all the old ones. Too. No, no, no. I was gonna. I was also okay. going to say, and then Kirk. And then Kirk. I know you're really into the Sorry, old I jumped ones. In. I jumped in. I was a little bit into the old ones, Benny. I'm not sure. Were you into the old ones? No, not really. But I think, and I think that there's been there's this like um, breed of Assassin's Creed fan that is hark- that is like looking for hearkening back for the old school style. And playing this, it's kind of like, man, there's a lot of stuff that <laughs> they really improved upon with the new games. Even if you didn't like how humongous and bloated they were, which is a totally reasonable complaint, there's some stuff they added that like makes the game a lot more interesting and fun, including be able to climb on <laughs> anything, which is really <laughs> just a, a, a big downgrade here. Again, I haven't played a ton, so like there might be stuff about it that I like. I know there's this concept of like this old school concept of like the black box assassination where you're like presented with a a target and you can kind of approach it in a bunch of different ways. But like, man, so, so far I am not really into it. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I'm going to play some more because I have to cover it from Bloomberg. So I'm planning on writing about it and I'm, I'm hoping to play some more before I can do that. But, um, yeah, man, bouncing off the first couple of hours, unfortunately. Although I will say, um, Shore Ad- Agdashlu, right? Is that ah, am I pronouncing that right? Beloved Shore Agdashlu. Yes, she, she plays the a, amazing one voice. Of, she is one of the main characters with her beautiful, raspy voice. She mm. is one of the main characters, and I'm enjoying uh, conversing with her. Um, but Basim himself, man, I-, I liked him in Valhalla, but in this, he's such a like uh, flat, like goody two shoes, like boring character. And I'm curious to see how he evolves. Goody two shoes assassin, never been well, done. Well, he's like, he, like, yeah. I mean, he's you're seeing him train to become. He's like a right, thief right, at the right. beginning, and blah 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 blah. And yeah, and then like eventually he'll turn into like the kind of more of a trickster character that he is in Valhalla, but and I'm curious to see what happens. And if I don't, it's funny, if I don't wind up finishing this, I will probably Google the ending sequence because I'm curious about how it ties into the larger plot since Valhalla, <laughs> as you guys yeah. may or may not remember, has a really intriguing ending involving Basim and like him popping up in, yep. in modern day and like what's going to happen there. And uh, so far there hasn't been any modern day stuff in this although there are isu artifacts um but no modern day stuff that i've seen it just Mm. kind of jumps right into uh basim although basim has like weird visions involving like um what's his name william miles and and so there's there's definitely connections to the other (sighs) games but yeah we'll see we'll see uh, if i like it more um in due time but right now i'm a little bit down on it unfortunately also it like looks like a ps3 game it's really um it really is you can tell it's kind of like yeah (laughs) again it's just very very much like a return to uh old assassin's creed in look and feel for better and for worse nice Mm. well yeah as an old school ac head i'll be interested in checking it out one way or another and uh yeah i'll be interested if you if you play more what you think of it but all right, that'll uh, that'll do it for another episode of Triple Click. Thanks everyone out there for listening. We will be back next week to talk about more video games. And uh, yeah, I'll see the two of you then. See you guys next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. 
Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.